Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the 905er podcast. I am Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. Today we're going to hear the second part of our interview with Graham Crawford of iElectHamilton.ca. If you heard part one of our interview with Graham on Tuesday, you'll know that uh, he and a group of Hamiltonians have created an organisation to campaign for a better Hamilton Council to be elected in 2022 and for candidates to come forward who can bring a new look to that council, replacing councillors who have been in place for decades in some cases, and who are now associated with the Sewergate and Red Hill scandals, and who continue to foster the division between Old Hamilton and the suburban and rural hinterlands of the amalgamated city. As we rejoin the interview, I'm waxing lyrical about Hamilton's fantastic location, and we go on to look at Hamilton's unrealised potential and the need for new attitudes and new ambitions for a renewed city. The kind of natural fortune that Hamilton has as a city in its location, at the end of a lake between a, a mountain, or an Ontario mountain, sure. uh, and I remember, uh, this is the kind of thing you wish the, the councillors could get, the first time I saw Hamilton as an adult, I visited when I was a child and too young to remember. But as an adult, I came here. It was 1999. It was like uh, literally, I think the first time I saw Hamilton was from 403 on New Year's Eve, 1999, 2000. The start of the new millennium was literally when I cast eyes upon downtown Hamilton. And, and you, you're doing that kind of journey where you see the lights of the city before you in the dark. Um, I was like, wow, this is stunning what an astonishing place that's the essence of Hamilton as it has is that it should be one of the most desirable desired places in Canada because it has the kind of bones to build on top of if you like uh, just through through fortune or whatever because of where it is and, and then we're constantly dragged back into this kind of oh well you know is it going to cause a traffic on king street you know, I, was like, oh, you know. I, I don't want to focus on lrt because it's so much bigger than that but question is after having um just got off on my own little uh, uh side story um, i was with you <laughs> <laughs> well you can you can feel free to say yes roland you're absolutely right <laughs> I, was well, I, I think you are actually <laughs> by the way i mean as you described seeing the city at night from the 403 as you come around to where Coots Paradise is, you're absolutely right. It's like, wow, look at this. And of course, you know, when the sun goes up, it's not like, oh, well, it looks so nice during the, in the dark. It doesn't look so nice in the light. It does, it still looks terrific. Yeah. It's also one of the reasons, Joel and Roland, that people got so angry about the Sewergate scandal right. because Coots Paradise is, um, is spectacular. It's Our a paradise. Our is spectacular. And again, I grew up here, so I know what it used to look like, and it doesn't look like that anymore. It was industrial. It was dirty. It was filthy. Um, you wouldn't walk along the water's edge. Not to, not on a bet you wouldn't. Now, I remember when I moved back to Hamilton in 2005. My sister lives in Ancaster, and we met up. Uh, we, were, I mean, we were close and saw each other all the time, but now I was a Hamiltonian again. So we got to go down to Bayfront Park. And I said, okay, I don't, well, what is that? I honestly didn't know. And then we went down and I remember saying to her, holy mackerel, this is as good, good as it gets anywhere. 
this is like really spectacular. It's beautifully done. It's one example though. And of course there are many natural examples. That was a, that's sort of a man-made one. But of course you can walk straight over to Coots. So you're right. It's a spectacular city. And, the, and I think the point is we were never a suburb. Hamilton was always a city. It grew up as a city. And, you know, these days there are people moving in from Toronto because of uh, at least what used to be uh, cheaper house prices, not so much anymore, and go train connections. But we've always been a city. We were not a suburb, you know, like Scarborough, for example. Scarborough was never a city. It may have been called that, but I mean, it didn't have, as you said, Joel, the bones. Hamilton's always had the bones of a big city. Look at the photographs from 100 years ago. Looks like a city because it was. Yeah, and you've got those beautiful Victorian houses. The Yeah, it has that feeling. You know, Hamilton, when we talk about our ambition in the 905, we acknowledge that places like Burlington and Oakville and Milton are growing into cities out of yes. dormitory towns for commuters in it very often. Um, Hamilton is different. Hamilton is the exception to, to, to that rule and that it's 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 got its own history and its own essence. Uh, now, I, I very much hope that Burlington and Oakville and all those places, Mississauga, Brampton, are all moving towards that kind of mature, more mature, kind of being grown up places in their own rights. But Hamilton already has that. And it's, I guess it's, it's almost like it's hit its middle age, if you like, and, and now it needs to have its kind of sec, not, second childhood is not the right term to use, <laughs> or maybe uh, a kind of rebirth that can turn into such a fantastic place. Not that it isn't a fantastic place already, because I think Hamilton is awesome, but it's been just held back by this, as you say, this lack of ambition and, and these people who just don't seem to have any ambition or purpose other than the hyper-local and the, is this going to keep me in my nice job? Um, I agree. It's the unrealized potential that I think is the real heartbreak. Um, it's all there in front of us. Everything is possible. We don't have to, in, to invent something. We just have to you know, put in place the things we already know about. But there are barriers and speed bumps that shouldn't be there, that don't need to be there. The spirit of Hamiltonians is such that we are creative, we are hardworking, we are compassionate. Do you know that the highest level on a per capita basis of volunteerism in the country, do you know where that is? Hamilton. People care. Mm -hmm. They really will give you the shirts off their backs. All you have to do is look at a story that appears in the Hamilton Spectator whether it's somebody's house, you know, maybe burned down and they, the family survived, but the house didn't. A wheelchair was stolen. You know, someone is, is hard times. Hamiltonians come out of the woodwork and they don't always do it in public, but they give. That's a spirit of compassion, but there's also the spirit of innovation. We, we have a, a world-class university that's churning out graduates every year. The problem is they can't stay because there are no jobs. And whose fault is that? Well, it's nobody's fault. But who could maybe take the lead on that? Council. Council. We've got an economic development department. But, you know, we count building permits as if, as if that's the biggest thing. Or warehouse jobs. You know, Amazon wants to come and we're going to get 300 warehouse jobs with no transit links to the warehouse. 
So the assumption is anybody who gets a low paying warehouse job, of course, will just drive there in their car. It's like, really? How would they do that? How could they afford that? Our counselors, they don't take a systems approach to thinking because we have a car centric mentality, unfortunately, that is getting in the way. Witness our five lane highway that comes off the 403 and heads all the way over. And counselor doesn't want to touch that because they love the time traffic lights. Like this is how we're measuring the quality of life in Hamilton by how fast you can get through it. Wrong. Absolutely dead wrong. You know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's almost as if you have uh, middle managers trying to fill board of director positions. I love it. That's excellent. At, at, yeah. at the city, at the city of Hamilton, like, you know, the, these are the you do need at the at the council table people who are who are taking kind of that macro level, hot, super high level thinking of exactly right. Okay, you want it, you want an Amazon fulfillment center or the 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 headquarters in. Hamilton, that's fantastic. But are you going to build the, you know, the infrastructure, the the municipal transit systems to get people from the farthest reaches of the city to those jobs? I mean, the perfect example that I, I we were talking about Laura with Laura Babcock about this when she was on was the the Ivor Wynn Stadium fiasco yeah. that li- literally they're, they're shopping it around the city, and I was like, every spot is good, and then they end up, you know putting it right back where you started from like really it took you three years to wind up exactly where you started from that's that was that drove me nuts (laughs) and again it's that middle management thinking at at a board of director job i agree with you and i think that you know the phrase that people use all the time it's it's a cliche but but it's absolutely valid in hamilton is good enough is good enough we don't need great good enough will be fine thanks very much and and uh I think a lot of people are tired of that. And I don't know if that's generational. I don't think it is. I mean, I know plenty of people my age who can envision a greater Hamilton than we have now. Uh, I also know a ton of young people who absolutely can see it. They're participating in it. They're building businesses. They're, They're working in organizations and building organizations in Hamilton. I think it's very, very exciting. But it's, but it's heartbreaking, and I know we're, we keep coming back to that, but it's heartbreaking when you see people getting in the way of that, not leveraging it, not even recognizing it is the real problem. Like not, how, You can't tap into something if you don't even acknowledge that it's there. So how do you build on it when you don't? And so we need people who can see it, who can feel the energy, see the future, have read a bit about it, done some traveling, learned about problems, seen opportunities and say, how can we make that happen in Hamilton? And you know what? I'm getting, I'm starting to get jealous of Kitchener-Waterloo because they seem to have figured this out. And look, I'm old enough to remember when Kitchener-Waterloo was kind of sleepy, a sleepy community. I mean, it was a lovely community. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very nice. They had a great university and so on. But now it is a thriving city. It's creative. It's modern. It's inventive. It's innovative. Um, it's attracting huge amounts of inward investment to locate next to their LRT. <laughs> it's Isn't it true, and I'm sure it's stealing people from McMaster to go and work up there. You know, and they they, they kind of leveraged the university in many in many ways to as that kind of focus. I know they had BlackBerry as well, which was kind of kicked a lot of things off. But yeah, it, I mean, there's a, as an example of how to 
to reinvent yourself as as a municipality. That's that's a fine example. Now, I, I promised a question a while ago, and I, I better actually I think, deliver I think one. You threatened a question, didn't you? I did. <laughs> and what usually happens with me is I forget what it was, and I have to think. <laughs> I sit here and go, "What was yeah. that question? That brilliant question that, that I had." Here it is. <laughs> I, I know there are heaps of people in Hamilton who would make excellent councillors, uh, or uh, and I'm sure there are people who are qualified to make excellent mayors. However, I can't necessarily name those people, those kind of councillors in waiting. Maybe that's just because I don't know Hamilton well enough, and you do. You say you're not you're, you're not naming names, and maybe you don't want to mention. But but are you seeing those kind of people who are getting ready to throw their hats into the ring next may or or is it are we really trying to find those people and do you i guess the other side of that question is for all mayor eisenberger's faults he's a pro lrt guy that kind of was what maybe got him re-elected last time around against the anti-lrt candidates and vito scro was the was the yeah the main rival for mayor i voted um, for fred last time I because what else time. are you going to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so do you do you think those candidates, those kind of the candidates who offer something truly better, are out there and are going to come forward? I think it's the essential question, Joel. I really do. The answer I'm happy to report is yes. There are candidates I already know about, and no, I've, I'm certainly not going to name names because that's up to them. And as we, as I said earlier, technically there is no such category as candidate yet. Legally, but I, I mean, I get your point, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are people who are progressives who have uh, great credentials, who have worked in business uh, or academia, and who are well read, well traveled, are modern, current, different ages, genuinely diverse crowd that I'm already hearing about. And I do know names of people who said, I'm going to run. I'm really seriously going to do this this time. So I have great hope, and so does the rest of the ILEC team, that we can help just create an environment in our city where people are interested in learning about new candidates, about new ideas and new ways of doing things versus simply picking the same person you've picked for 30 plus years because he always gets the blue box on time and seniors love him and he just seems to be really nice to seniors. I mean, great, I'm a senior, I, I want people to be nice to me, but I mean, come on. This is not how you lead a city that has an annual budget of in excess of one and a half billion dollars. That's over almost 600,000 people now and with great projections beyond that. And we are the 10th largest city in the country. We need bigger, better thinkers to help us get there, not to watch us get there or to slow us down on the way. But to see the future, to, to be able to articulate it, to be able to inspire people to, to get on board and say, I, that's the Hamilton I want. That's a better Hamilton than one we've got now. And I will help you do that. That's the kind of change we need. And it is there. Now, they have to get elected. As you know, it's lovely to have those kinds of people run. It's not so lovely if they lose. But, you know, we don't control that, but we can maybe help people at least make informed decisions. So no matter what word you're in, you're going to at least be able to think about, how do I evaluate this person beyond just name recognition? 
I was part of kind of a, and Joel too, actually, it was kind of part of a, a change of election in Burlington in 2018. And I mean, I, I was a candidate and I didn't win, but I knew there was a person who did win, um, was also a new a new face for council. And there were only two faces from the old council who made it through, one of whom was the new mayor, who was kind of the face of the new council. Like, yeah. And it was a really exciting, it showed that people, having been involved with federal and provincial elections, being involved in that municipal election was so different. I couldn't get off people's doorsteps. They were so keen to talk to me. <laughs> this is politics, yes. right? They, yeah. It's like, I have to go. I've got 10,000 other doors to knock on here. Right. Because people were so passionate about that need for change, particularly in the ward I was in, there was a whole history associated with that I won't go into. I would, would love to see that um, that kind of in, level of engagement uh, in Hamilton, and let's ho hope that, that is going to happen in a positive way, you know. And you know what? The incumbents should not be scared of this kind of thing. They should welcome it. If they are truly, truly have the best interests of the city at heart, you should never be afraid of people who are trying to get people involved. It can only be good. And if you're any good at all as, as an incumbent, be able to deal with it. Uh, I don't think many of them will. Um, I hope, you know, I, I hope people follow through with the numbers that are necessary to really rejuvenate the kind of whole municipal political scene in Hamilton. And yeah, we should mention absolutely before we finish that the, the website is, is ielecthamilton.ca. That's correct. Yes. And on it, you'll see, you know, what we stand for, what our vision is, but you'll also see information about issues. You'll see tons of info about our priorities. And as I mentioned before, we're into this, this is like our 11th day. That website is going to grow and outreach. There's also, I do want to highlight though, this is actually quite important. We have an online resident survey and we've had tremendous response in 11 days. And I mean, tremendous, but we but we, the more we get, the better it is. And it's, it's a survey that asks residents to rate certain things related to the six priorities of you know, infrastructure through to transportation. So the more people who respond, the more data we have. I can tell you now, though, that we have respondents from every ward and a lot of respondents uh, from every ward, some concentration, as you might expect, but, uh, but uh, very happy so far with the distribution. But we would also like to increase those numbers. And that's what we're going to be focusing over the next probably month is in, in encouraging people. So all your listeners who do live in Hamilton, please go online to ielecthamilton.ca. Look at the resident survey. You'll see it up at the top. Click on it. Take the four or five minutes it takes to, to complete it. It would be hugely appreciated. And the data will, will be very helpful. Well, we wish you all the best with it. These things are great for democracy. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll be following with, with great interest over the, over the next year. Well, so thank thanks so much, both. Graham, for joining us. Yeah, I continue to be a fan. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs>
Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.